welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is Pentecost Sunday. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who by the mystery of today's great feast, sanctify your whole church in every people and nation. Pour out, we pray, the gifts of the Holy Spirit across the face of the earth, and with the divine grace that was at work when the gospel was first proclaimed, fill now once more the hearts of believers. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles When Pentecost Day came round, they had all met in one room, when suddenly they heard what sounded like a powerful wind from heaven, the noise of which filled the entire house in which they were sitting, and something appeared to them that seemed like tongues of fire. These separated and came to rest on the head of each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak foreign languages as the Spirit gave them the gift of speech. Now there were devout men living in Jerusalem from every nation under heaven, and at this sound they all assembled, each one bewildered to hear these men speaking his own language. They were amazed and astonished. Surely, they said, all these men speaking are Galileans? How does it happen that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya round Cyrene, as well as visitors from Rome, Jews and proselytes alike, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them preaching in our own language about the marvels of God. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, send out your Spirit and renew the face of the earth. Lord, send out your Spirit and renew the face of the earth. Bless the Lord, my soul, Lord God, how great you are. How many are your works, O Lord? The earth is full of your riches. Lord, send out your Spirit and renew the face of the earth. You take back your Spirit, they die, returning to the dust from which they came. You send forth your Spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. Lord, send out your Spirit and renew the face of the earth. May the glory of the Lord last forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. May my thoughts be pleasing to him. I find my joy in the Lord. Lord, send out your spirit, and renew the face of the earth. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. People who are interested only in unspiritual things can never be pleasing to God. Your interests, however, are not in the unspiritual, but in the spiritual, since the Spirit of God has made His home in you. In fact, 
Unless you possess the Spirit of Christ, you will not belong to Him. Though your body may be dead, it is because of sin. But if Christ is in you, then your spirit is life itself, because you have been justified. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, then He who raised Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit living in you. So then, my brothers, there is no necessity for us to obey our unspiritual selves or to live unspiritual lives. If you do live in that way, you are doomed to die. But if by the Spirit you put an end to the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Everyone moved by the Spirit is a son of God. The Spirit you received is not the Spirit of slaves bringing fear into your lives again. It is the Spirit of sons, and it makes you, us cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself and our spirit bear united witness that we are children of God. And if we are children, we are heirs as well, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, sharing his sufferings, so as to share his glory. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Holy Spirit, Lord of light, from the clear celestial height, thy pure beaming radiance give. Come, thou Father of the poor, come with treasures which endure. Come, thou light of all that live. Thou of all consolers best, thou the soul's delightful guest. Dost refreshing peace bestow, thou in toil art comfort sweet. Pleasant coolness in the heat, solace in the midst of foe. Light immortal, light divine, visit thou these hearts of thine, and our inmost being fill. If thou take thy grace away, nothing pure in man will stay. All his good is turned to ill. Heal our wounds, our strength renew, on our dryness pour thy dew. Wash the stains of guilt away, bend the stubborn heart and will, melt the frozen, warm the chill, guide the steps that go astray. Thou on us who evermore, thee confess and thee adore. With thy sevenfold gifts descend, give us comfort when we die, give us life with thee on high, give us joys that never end. Alleluia, Alleluia. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I shall ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we shall come to him and make our home with him. Those who do not love me do not keep my words, and my word is not my own, it is the word of the one who sent me. I have said these things to you while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all I have said to you.
The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, something a little curious happened to me today. Um, It's actually Saturday before Pentecost. I know I should have these things done sooner, but as it turned out, it was while reading the Office of Readings, um, which is part of the prayers that clergy pray, um, that there was a reading that came from a sermon of an unknown African author of the 6th century. That's the official title. (laughs) We don't know anything more than that. But this sermon of an unknown African author of the 6th century uh, was about Pentecost. And it shed light on something that I'd, I'd really never thought about before. Anyway, this African author was talking about how the gift of tongues was uniting the whole world in the body of Christ. Uh, and then he says this, In this way, the Lord's promise was fulfilled. No one puts new wine into old wineskins, but new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both will be preserved. It was with good reason then that some people, when they heard the apostles speaking in every tongue, said, They are filled with new wine. For they had become fresh wineskins. They had been renewed by the grace of holiness, so that when they were filled with the new wine, that is, with the Holy Spirit, they spoke with fervour in every tongue. And by this spectacular miracle, they foreshadowed the spread of the Catholic Church through all nations, speaking every tongue. Now, I'll be honest with you, that phrase that Jesus uses about new wine and new wineskins is one that I've always found a little bit enigmatic, a bit cryptic. What's he really talking about? And this becomes a really interesting interpretation, I think. Because if you remember, when the apostles burst out of the upper room, having been filled with the Holy Spirit, having the tongues of fire and having the wind come rushing through the upper room, you know, they come out and then they're proclaiming the gospel. Peter has this magnificent first sermon, which brings about 3,000 converts. But the people of the world who are gathered in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost are all able to understand what Peter is saying in this moment. There's this incredible uniting force which is brought about by the Holy Spirit. And the observation that's made by these people is they got to be drunk. But it's not even nine o'clock yet. Now, I'd always imagined that the reason why people made the observation that they must be drunk was because they were behaving in such a strange way. And I don't know, you know, the way people speak often reveals how much they've had to drink There's the assumption. They've had too much new wine. And this African author is in complete agreement, you know. Too right they've had new wine. It's the new wine that is the Holy Spirit. And the coming of the Holy Spirit has actually brought about new wineskins. No one pours new wine into old wineskins, says Jesus. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine, new wineskins. We can see this incredible transformation happening in the apostles with the coming of the Holy Spirit. 
They'd been given the command by Jesus to go and teach all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. But you know what? They're in the upper room. They're locked away. They're hiding again. And they're waiting for this gift which the Lord Jesus will pour out upon them. And now, now that they've received this gift, look what happens. The doors fling open and there is the gathered world. There is a subset of all nations of the world. And what did the apostles do? Exactly what they were told. Go, teach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's Peter giving the first sermon and then baptizing 3,000. He's filled with new wine and he's become a new wineskin. Now, let's go back to this African author. What did he say about these wineskins? He said they'd become fresh wineskins. They had been renewed by the grace of holiness so that when they were filled with the new wine, that is, with the Holy Spirit, they spoke with fervor in every tongue. And by this spectacular miracle, they foreshadowed the spread of the Catholic Church through all nations, speaking every tongue. These new wineskins. It's a transformation in order to become holy. This is what makes it possible to contain the Holy Spirit, a holy vessel for this holy wine. Now, throughout this last week, uh, in the Office of Readings, uh, we clergy and those, you know, lay people who pray the Divine Office with us, um, we've been reading from the first letter of St. John. And I'll be honest with you, it's been a pretty uncomfortable week. Let me read you a little bit from the third chapter. Have a listen. Now you know that he appeared, that's Christ, right? Now you know that he appeared in order to abolish sin, and that in him there is no sin. Anyone who lives in God does not sin, and anyone who sins has never seen him or known him. My children, do not be led astray. To live a holy life is to be holy just as he is holy. To lead a sinful life is to belong to the devil, since the devil was a sinner from the beginning. It was to undo all that the devil has done that the Son of God appeared. No one who has been begotten by God sins, because God's seed remains inside him. He cannot sin when he has been begotten by God. I warned you. I told you it was uncomfortable. I'll be perfectly honest, I'm not done with sinning. I hate to say it. But look, I think what John is doing is he's drawing everything to its absolute conclusion. Our lives, the ones that are still unfolding. We're growing in holiness and we're striving to turn away from sin and be faithful to the gospel. But when everything is said and done, when the final buzzer blows... Can someone who has lived their life in opposition to God, who has lived their life in conflict with the greatest commandment, to love God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength and to love our neighbour as ourselves? Can someone who has lived their life in rebellion to God finally claim to see him, to know him and to be his child? 
I think we might have to say that new wine was poured into an old wineskin, and both were lost. But in contrast to that stands the life of the apostles, the ones who had been filled with the Holy Spirit and who appeared to be drunk on this new wine. They themselves have been so interiorly transformed by the gift of this new wine as to have received the grace of holiness. Now, I suppose here we come upon a bit of a paradox. On the one hand, it's the presence of this new wine, the presence of the Holy Spirit, that brings this grace of holiness. The pouring out of this new wine that makes the old wineskin new and capable of holding this new wine. But we also need to bear in mind that we're free. That we need to receive this new wine and allow ourselves to be transformed into new wineskins. This is kind of always how God works, isn't it? He does it for us, but not without us. We don't make ourselves holy. It's not fundamentally a moral transformation, a a kind of self-help or project of improvement. No, he's the one who sanctifies us, but not without us. We need to say yes. And in receiving this new wine, we are transformed into new wineskins. So I suppose that's kind of the message in in my mind for, for Pentecost this year and one particularly for me. The Holy Spirit poured into me is truly intoxicating. But is everything in me transformed? Am I willing to receive the grace of holiness and to let go of everything that is old? For the apostles, life in the Spirit included the constant decision, the constant conviction to remain faithful. To hold this new wine in new wineskins. Last little bit from the first letter of John. In this way, he says, we distinguish the children of God from the children of the devil. Anybody not living a holy life And not loving his brother is no child of God's. So let's receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's not cling to anything that is old. Let us allow him to transform everything into new wineskins. Because I'm pretty sure being filled with the Holy Spirit is intoxicating. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.